right, before I get to my next guest, Tom Patry, want to give a shout out to our friends over at Positive Vibes Golf. Check them out online at PositiveVibesGolf.com and give them a follow on Twitter at PVibesGolf. Their head covers and putter covers are a unique way to keep your mind focused on positive thoughts. They're great on the course training aids because you can't help but stay positive when, you, when you're looking back at, the, at your head covers, your putter covers. They got smiles on them. They got affirmations on them. It makes you feel better. It gets you back in the right frame of mind. If you've, had, if you've hit a bad shot, you can't help but smile when you go back and see their putter covers and their head covers and your golf bag. So do yourself a favor. Check them out online. Again, PositiveVibes.com and on Twitter at PVibesGolf. This segment of the show is brought to you by the PGA Tour Superstore. See why golfers everywhere are proud to call PGA Tour Superstore their golf pro shop. Visit them online at PGASuperstore.com. Now, back to you, Chris. All right, now back with me here on the French Lick Resort guest line is our resident director of instructing, Tom Patry. Tom is, a, is another Golf Tips Magazine Top 25 instructor. He's back home now in Naples, Florida for his winter residency. You can visit him there at Esplanade Golf and Country Club. So start signing up for golf lessons on his website, Tom Patry, P-A-T-R-I, TomPatry.com. Also sign up and subscribe for his newsletter while you're on his site as well. Tom is also a member of the Titleist Leadership Advisory Board. Now, now he's a Yankees fan, but try not to let that you know, lapse in judgment on his part dissuade you from letting him help you with your golf game. I've forgiven him for it, and, and it's hard. So I know, I know you can do it. I was, it was hard for me to do. I know you can do it. And uh, like I say, TP is fantastic. And I'm glad he's back on the show. Hey, Tom, how are you, my friend? Uh, who's calling, please? <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, I've, given, I've forgiven you for your Yankee fandom. It's ridiculous and hard, but I've gotten over it. So, you know, I know my listeners will as well. Tom, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry for all the pain you've been through all these years. Oh, How are you, here boy? we go. I'm good. How are you, TP? How you feeling, my friend? Oh man, I I, I feel like a pin cushion, Chrissy. I, I I you know maybe they don't know out there in the listening land, but I, I've been uh, I've been on the road for well, I was on the road for almost five and three quarter months, and then I I left. Uh, Indianapolis went to New York and went through uh, three surgeries and uh, a lot of poking and prodding. And uh, I've never been in all my career in 40 years happy to get back home than, than, I, than I am now and this year right here. Unbelievable. Great being home. Yeah. And I've been, and uh, you know, because of all the things that you've been through, the, the knee surgery, the eye surgeries, I was happy to see some of the posts you've made. It looks like the eye surgery has done wonders, right? It looks like your eyes are doing great. Yeah. Incredible. I mean, I, without going into a lot of detail, I had, I had some previous surgery, Chris, in the, uh, in the 90s, which complicated my situation quite a bit. And I was a very, I guess they called me an at-risk patient. So I was a little concerned when you start messing around with your eyes. But uh, my left eye went from uh, 2300 to 2030, and my right eye went from 2200 to 2020. So I would call that relatively successful, and I'm actually now playing and driving and living my life without glasses for the first time, and uh, I, I couldn't be more excited. It's just been unbelievable. And Tom, a couple of weeks ago, I noticed on, on your social media page, out on Twitter, and um, one of the things that struck me was you were visiting with Villanova head basketball coach Jay Wright. How do you know Jay? 
So Jay, um, that's, it's a, it's a long story. I'll make it short. I, I have a really good friend, um, Coach Frank Romeo here in Naples, who was a high school basketball and and uh, golf coach in uh, on Long Island when I was growing up as a kid, and just one of those guys that just was was really kind to everybody. And and Frank retired down here. He was a really good buddy and a uh, a major component at Raleigh Massimino's summer basketball camps in Villanova when Raleigh was there. And uh, and he met Jay Wright through those camps, and then he recommended Jay Wright to Raleigh to become part of his staff. Long story short, Frank and Jay Wright are good friends, and I've been teaching Frank down here for the last 10 to 15 years in Naples, and uh, know knows I'm a big hoop fan. Frank sent Jay Wright years ago one of my books, The Six Spoke Approach. Jay loved it. He got back in touch with me. We've been corresponding for a long time, and then, uh, and then last year he invited me up to a Villanova um, golf event. I went up and uh, we kind of hit it off. We've stayed in touch um, in the past 18 months. And then he invited me down to a practice a couple of weeks ago when I was in New York during surgeries. And we spent the day together at a closed practice. And then afterwards, we spent some time together. So you're just a, a wonderful guy. Obviously, a brilliant basketball mind. We've shared some coaching thoughts. It's been really productive, I think, for both of us. Um, we text about every day back and forth. He wants to talk about golf. I want to talk about basketball. It's been a lot of fun. TP, I want to get some playing lessons from you tonight. And as I was kind of going back through some of the articles that you've done for Golf Tips Magazine, did one about a year ago, about gaining more distance off the tee. And God knows we're all looking for another, you know, 10, 15, 20 yards. What are some of the things that you've been working with some of your students on where you're, where you're noticing distance leakage in our swings and some of the things that cause it? How can we get 10 or 15 more yards out of our drives? Well, I mean, the first thing the first thing we had to do, Chris, was find a way to get uh, get younger. I mean, um, <laughs> I, I, found, I, I haven't found that yet. So if you if you figure that one out, we we can make a lot of money. Um, you know, I think I think one of the uh, one of the Kool Aids that we're all drinking out there is that you know we get the longer driver, the longer shaft, or this head and that head. We play this ball, we play that ball. Um, and I think one of the things, especially the longer shaft thing, really bothers me. Um, we've tested a lot of people over the years at TP Golf Schools, and we've, we've, I've shared a lot of information with a lot of fitters around the country who are good friends of mine. And the number one thing that makes the ball go far in terms of equipment is hitting it in the center of the club face. So it's, it's interesting. In theory, a longer shaft would make it go further. You have more leverage, but what tends to happen when the shaft gets longer is the person cannot, the average player especially, cannot find the center of the club face. So I really, one of the things I've done equipment-wise recently with a lot of my senior players and especially a lot of my ladies is I've made their drivers slightly shorter. If you remember when we first started playing the game 100 years ago, the industry standard for drivers was 43 and a half inches. The very few drivers you buy off the rack now are less than 44 and a half or 45 inches. And the average player just can't find the center of the club face at 45 inches. When I take people back to 44 or 43 and a half inches, given the right, the right flex in the shaft, you know, miraculous things happen. They, they, they first are very resistant because they think the shorter shaft is going to make them hit it shorter when in fact just the opposite happens because they find the center of the club face and the ball goes longer. So that, that's the equipment side of things. On the, on the technique side of things, you know, I'm in Naples and I've got a lot of senior clients. So, you know, a lot of folks down here who are 55 or older. 
And almost universally, I beg them to get on a, a strength and flexibility program. Um, we got to get we got to get the machine itself, the machine meaning the body, in better condition. Once we've got that happening, and we've got some kind of work being done there, um, we got to go right down the checklist. You know, we you know we got we go down the fundamental fundamental checklist first, Chris. You know, most people who come to me recreationally have their left hand grip up in the palm of their hand in a very weak condition. We got to strengthen their left hand grip. Okay, we got to get the club to create some width in their takeaway, create a you know, better turning action to the right, get loaded in the right side a lot better. We've got to deliver the club more from the inside. You know, all my track band work in the last, you know, six or eight months or 10 months, uh, recent work, I focused a lot on face and path. Most amateurs, you know, come over the top or come from the outside across the golf ball with an open club face. When you can get the golf club returning from the inside and square the club face, Miraculous things happen with, with with speed, with quality of contact, with launch angle, and certainly therefore with carry distance. So that's kind of my rough checklist. We go through equipment first, we go through the body second, we go through face and path third, and we go through left hand grip. And if we can get those things all kind of being paid attention to, we've been able to add a lot of yards to people's golf games. And Tom, what you mentioned there about going to the shorter shafted driver. It's something that I've experimented with my golf swing. Um, and, and, and I tell you what, to me, and maybe it's just psychological, maybe, you know, to your point, maybe I'm able to hit the center of the club face more consistently. But I, I'm more confident when I'm standing a little bit closer to the golf ball. I feel like I, you know, I'm more confident to swing a little faster than I was with, with my standard length driver shaft. It's just something about all of that sort of together makes me feel better about about my my ability to drive the golf ball a little bit farther. So to you, your I'll point about hitting the center of the club face, but I, there's right. got to be other adjustments in there as well, right? I mean, it's not like I can go in the garage and we can take our shaft and clip off a half an inch, an inch or whatever, put no, the put really the uh, <laughs> put the club back there, you know, put the grip back on and go, right? No, no, let's, let's, be, let's be very clear to the folks listening out there. If you're going to change the length of your driver, you're not going to go in the, in the garage with a hacksaw and just whip off an inch off your driver. You're going to go to a fitter, okay, because if the driver length changes, the swing rate changes. If the driver length changes, if you're changing the flex of the shaft. So we've got to make sure that the club is swinging, you're swinging a balanced club, that the swing rate, swing, the swing weight is, is what it's supposed to be, and that you're swinging a shaft that is, is the right flex for your swing speed in concert with the length change. So we just don't whip off an inch off the club with a hacksaw in the garage. Please don't do that, and don't try this at home. Um, <laughs> I'll, give you two really, I'll give you two really great tidbits. Um, I, I had the pleasure in my career of becoming very friendly during my Westchester days with the great Kenny Venturi. And Kenny was talking to me about, you know, driver swings and center face contact one day. We were talking about distance from the ball. And he said to me, Byron said, and as soon as he said Byron said, my ears kind of stood up on end and perked up. He said, Byron said, you can't stand too close to the golf ball. And I said, well, Kenny, he said, Tom, how many people have you taught that stood too close to the ball? And how many people have you taught that stood too far away from the ball? I said, well, nobody stands too close and everybody stands too far away. He said, thank you very much. And then also during my college days, I had the privilege of caddying twice for a fellow named Sam Sneed. And before I caddied from each time, both of them were corporate outings. 
um, he gave a little clinic, and he and the thing he always said to people was, "Listen, you can't hit the outside fastball." He said, and, and everybody kind of looked at each other. And I said, "Folks, he means you know, you shouldn't be standing too far away from me. You can't reach your objective." And he kind of chuckled. He goes, "That's exactly what I mean." So there's two pretty good resources: Sam Steed and Ken Ventura, who both talked about another player named Byron Nelson saying. You know, you can't stand too close to the golf ball. And I don't see very many people on the in the amateur world, you know, standing too close. So I see a ton of folks standing too far away from it. So how do we gauge that, Tom? How do we know if we're the right distance away versus being too far? Well, I like I like your arms. Once you establish your posture, meaning your, your, your knee flex and your bend from the waist, I want your arms to hang downward, not outward. So, so many players, we look at them on the down-the-line view, Chris, you know, we, we take some video from, from behind down the line. Their arms are way off their body, very, very, what I call disconnected. When I see my tour players, and I, when I look at really good players on tour who are really good ball strikers, you look at the down-the-line view, once they've established their spine angle and you look at their arms, they hang almost directly downward out of their shoulder plane. Um, you don't see their arms off their body. You don't see their arms very disconnected from their body. So... Get in front of a mirror at home, folks. Put put any club in your hand. I don't care if you got a wedge in your hand or you have a driver in your hand. You know, your arm should be hanging directly down, directly down out of your shoulders if if you're in the right posture. You know, roughly, you know, depending on your body type, it could be anywhere from 16 degrees to 23 degrees of spine tilt from, from your pelvic girdle. So, you know, I think you need a pair of trained eyes to help you get in this position. Uh, again, don't do this at home by yourself. Let's get somebody that's competent that you work with as a teacher to get you set up the right way. But I don't want your arms disconnected from your body. You're going to be too far away from the golf ball. Tom, I want to switch gears a little bit and talk putting uh, and putting oh, yeah, grips we, for I that matter. Am I, am, I, am, I getting, am I getting paid for this? Are we, are we on the clock right now? You don't generally pay. You know the checks in the mail, my friend. It's always in the mail. Exactly. A typical Red Sox fan. Just keep going. Come on, let's talk some putting. <laughs> let's talk putting grips. Do you subscribe to one way to grip the putter, uh, or is there a style of putting grip that we should be looking at if we have a consistent miss? Whether our miss is maybe you know on the low side, our miss is on the high side. Is it one putting grip, or or do you change based on the miss that we typically have? You know, yes. First of all, that's that's a great question for everybody in the whole world to listen to. So listen up golf world. I don't think, I don't care when you put the golf ball. And I shouldn't say I don't care. Cause of course I do care. I don't care if you stand on your head and make a stroke. If the ball's rolling down the line and you're able to control speed and starting direction, you know, have at it. I mean, you know, stand on your post, stand on a pogo stick and do it. That's all I care. But I think you see people who are, more stable in controlling the face of the club, more stable in making center face contact, which obviously is going to correlate to speed control um, with a variety of different grips. So, I mean, if you look, if you and I went to a tour event tomorrow, Chris, and we, we walked on the putting range of the PGA Tour event, we'd see a wide variety of anywhere from the classical reverse overlap to, you know, cross-handed to split-handed to the claw to the pencil you know, to the to the to the long putter, which is now not the belly putter anymore, but the long putter off the chest. Uh, and I, I question that a little bit too. And, and what's going on with some players on tour if that that club that club is really mounted or not mounted? But that's a whole different discussion. But 
we've seen so many different things work. We've seen guys that are a little bit more risky. We've seen guys that are relatively, you know, arm and shoulder strokers. We've seen guys that arc the putter. We've seen people that are straight back, straight through. So we've seen a lot of different things work. I think that the creativity factor in putting uh, is somewhat lost and we've become over mechanical at times. But I, I, listen, I, I tell people all the time, if you're not making putts, you got to make a change. You know, if you're not holding putts or you're not able to control the speed or the starting direction, then, then you've got to try something different. Okay, so I, you know, I walk people through a variety of, of attempts. You know, my favorite, because you, know, you know who my favorite teacher is on, 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 in the whole world right now, right? No, please. You don't know who my favorite teacher is? Dr. Trial, no. Dr. Dr. Trial and Mr. Error. <laughs> okay. So I, I, I think that, that that's the one part of golf where you can go out and you can get, I'll let you get a little bit out of the box with the putter in your hand. I mean, I'll let you get a little bit more creative, which I won't let you do with a driver or with an iron. I think there are fundamental compliances in the full swing that you cannot violate. Like I said, we've seen a lot of crazy things work on a putting ring. You know, I mean, you know, wacky looking things work on a putting ring. So, you know, I experiment a lot with my players. You know, I mean, listen, if I have Mr. and Mrs. Smith and their 20 handicaps and they just want to, you know, they want to two-putt and stop three-putting every green, we get them to a very basic looking setup, very square, relatively non-complex grip, something very, very, you know, classical. Now, if Mr. Smith starts yipping it and he's flipping it and he's, he's, he's got that, you know, that happy, happy-go-lucky, wristy Ryote putting stroke going, we might put his hands on crosshand. We might, we might, you know, put a, put a, you know, a claw grip on the putter. We might, you know, mount the, mount a shaft to his left forearm, a la Bernard Langer back, you know, in the second Masters win. So we'll try things to quiet that down, but we're not going to be shy about experimenting with these players and finding something that works for the individual. So Tom, let's let's take a little different look at putting. Let's talk ball position and stance. When you when you're working with a student, talk about what that stance looks like and talk about what that ball position wants to be. Are we at are we left toe? Are we center of the uh, of the stance? Are we wide stance, narrow stance? Talk about how you want somebody to set up for the golf ball. We're we're, we're back into that individual thing, Chris. So I think. If you, if you wanted to, if you courted me and made me answer the question, okay, and, and I had to just answer it one way, I tell you I like the ball into your left breast, okay, so it's just left of center, uh, and I'd like you relatively square setting up to the golf ball. But then you can instantly respond to me and say, well, look at Jack, one of the greatest you know clutch putters of all time, Nicholas's putting stance. He was kind of open, chest open, feet a little open. Look at Arnold. He was kind of pigeon-toed. You know, I mean... So, I mean, we've had great players do different things. But, you know, if, if you box me into the recreational player, I'd like you to get really relatively square and, and very, very simply square. And, I, and I'd like the ball to be under your left breast. And, Tom, one of the things that you always preach about practicing is practicing with a purpose. Talk about what that means. So let, let's, let's, let's talk about that, Chris, in, in terms of putting. So I'm, I'm at Esplanade this morning giving a golf lesson, and, and I'm, uh, I'm over by the putting green, and I'm, I'm working around, around the green with the player. And I, I look on the green, and, you know, Mr. Smith walks on the green, and he's, 
got three balls, and he puts from hole to hole, and he doesn't really go through a routine, and he kind of knocks one ball 10 feet short, and the other ball goes 15 feet by, and one ball goes high, and one ball goes low. And it's just, just random results. And he, and he keeps doing that for, you know, 10 or 15 minutes. And I, I made mention of this to the person I was working with. I said, you know, here's, here's the lesson for you right here. I said, what is he accomplishing? And the guy kind of chuckled at me and goes, well, I doesn't look like he's accomplishing much of anything. So when you go to a putting ring, I hope, I hope you've gotten with your coach previously and you've set up a practice routine that is a series of skill drills. Maybe it's around the horn. Maybe it's uh, maybe you're using a putting track or a putting mirror of some kind. Maybe you had a hole reducer in. You know, maybe you're using some kind of teaching aid that helps you square the face better. Uh, maybe you're using a metronome for tempo in your putting stroke, or you're using, using something like blast motion, which measures different, different parameters in putting. Um, but you're doing something that's skillful, and you're building results based on skill drills. To go to a putting ring with three balls and putt for hole to hole, that's called wasting your time. But that's what most amateurs do. They go to a putting ring, they take three balls, they putt for hole to hole for 15 minutes, and they call that putting practice. I call that a waste of time. So, so let's take that one step further, Tom. If, if you know, And you've talked about in the past, one of the things we've talked about with respect to putting and putting practice is when you're looking around at the putting green, most of us aren't anywhere near it. We're on, we're over on the driving range. We've got our driver in our hands and we're, we're trying to smash drives when the majority of the game is, you know, the short game and putting. If we're going to set up a really good putting routine and a putting practice session, what would you like to see us do and how would you like to see us spending our time? Well, I mean, I, I think, I think if you, if you broke the game down purely statistically and I think, that's a little dangerous, too, because people have different strengths and weaknesses as individuals. I mean, the guy's a great driver of the golf ball. He doesn't have to spend much time hitting drivers, okay? You know, he, hits, he has to hit some drivers, but doesn't have to spend the lion's share of his time hitting drivers. If he's a terrible putter or he's a terrible sand player or not a very good pitcher of the golf ball, certainly that area should be set up where that's, that's the vast majority of time. So I like people when they set up their practice routine to statistically understand their strengths and weaknesses, and they go and practice the weakest thing first. Because I love when the amateur says, this, oh, I was hitting some drivers, I hit some iron shots, and I meant to get to the putting ring, but I ran out of time and I had to go home. I said, well, you're an idiot. You're a complete idiot. You're a moron. What are you doing? <laughs> so go, go to the, let's go to the putting ring first if that's your weakness. And if you run out of time, but you got the putt for 45 minutes, you address the weakest part of your game with the most amount of time. I mean, doesn't, I mean, why is that so hard for people to understand that, that you've got to spend the most time on the weakest link? Is that, am I saying something that's, that, am I speaking Greek to these people, Chris, to help me with this? You know, is that, is that hard to figure that out? You know, I mean, Jesus, God almighty, it's just it's amazing to me that in 2019, with all the information available, the books and magazines, these wonderful podcasts that you do, all these great guests you have, the Golf Channel, there's so many resources now, and the average recreational player is wandering around at their golf facility chasing their tail. It doesn't make any sense. Am I, am I sound like I'm a little fired up tonight? I'm, you know, I mean, I'm just, I'm four days back in Naples, and I've, I've, I've watched these people do this for four days already, and, and it, I'm, you know, I'm in my my 40th year of doing this. And I'm like, come on guys, wake up. I'm sure that's exactly how you put it to them too. I have no doubt 
That's the instruction. What the hell are you doing? What the hell are you doing out here? (laughs) Tom, I know you're on the, uh, on the Titleist Leadership Advisory Board. We don't, we haven't spent much time talking about what that actually is. You know what that is? That's, that's a gift from God. I'm being, I'm being dead serious now. Titleist, I've been a part of that, a very small part of that huge family for, uh, oh my God, almost probably 30, I, I got to think about this a little bit, but probably close to 30 years. And, and you know what, the real, what that really means? Because that really means they've been much nicer to me than they need to be because I'm nobody special. Um, I'm very, very prejudiced, and I'm going to say that in advance to all your listeners. I, I think it's the greatest golf company on the on the planet, and I know, you know, you're probably cringing right now because you have other sponsors on your show, but they've been incredibly good to me. I think they're so far ahead of the curve on their research and develop, you know, research and development. I think the golf ball is the most superior golf ball on the planet. It's not even close. If you if you go through Ball Plant One or Ball Plant Two up in Fairhaven, Massachusetts, and see what they do to build one single Pro V1. It would, absolutely, it would just completely blow you out of the water. And you actually can do that now. You can set up a tour of that plant. And for anybody who wants to really learn why it's the best golf ball on the planet, just go take that tour. You'll never, you'll never doubt that for a second again. I've been through that tour probably 10 times in my career, and every time I go through it, it blows me away. Um, I mean, you know, who builds a better pilot than Scotty Cameron? Who builds a better wedge than Bob Bokey? Uh, and I'm a huge Bob Bokey fan, by the way, obviously being a short-game guy. Um, the, the new iron line that's come out, the TS line and, 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 and the TS driver line and, and, the, uh, and the new iron line that's come out this year. Is, and I just got mine actually delivered this week. And uh, I just be, I was just giving the clearance hits and golf ball starting yesterday. So I just started some shots this week with my knee. And I've never felt a golf club that felt any better in my hands in my life. I mean, it's uh, – and so what does it mean? It means that every once in a while they, they, they gather us together and they ask us questions about what we're seeing. There's tendencies and what kind of questions amateurs are asking. They bring this board together on occasion and they, and they quiz us on, you know, what is the amateur looking for? What are they asking questions about? What are they doing well? What are they not doing well? What, what kind of equipment seems to benefit them the best? You know, what are the weaknesses in their game? You know, how, how do they react to different golf balls in the line? Uh, they ask us to test balls occasionally and test clubs and, and different products occasionally. Uh, it's so much fun to be uh, a small part of the inner sanctum. Uh, I just, just before I had my knee scoped and, and the knee job done up in New York, I got to spend a day up at uh, Manchester Lane, which is their test facility up in Fairhaven, uh, with Karen Gray, who's, uh, who's one of their lead fitters and just a marvelously talented young lady who does an unbelievable job fitting golf clubs and, and helping them with their R&D up there. And, and if you saw that test facility, which is a very private place, it's it's incredible. It really, I mean, the... Uh, the, the the equipment and the things they're using to test golf clubs up there on a daily basis. Uh, you feel like you're going through a, a tour of NASA or or the space shuttle or something like that. It's it's just off the charts. And I've been in other factories. I've been I've been to a lot of competitive factories. I've been privileged to see other ones. And there's a lot of talented folks in the golf business with all these companies. Person, I'm not I'm not saying there isn't, but they just seem to take it a step further at Titleist, and uh, it's really impressive. Really impressive. Tom, before uh, I let you go, remind our listeners one more time about how they can uh, stay up to date with all the great things you're doing, book a lesson, and uh, follow you, whether it's on your website or it's on social media. Yeah, Chris, I want to, I wanna, you know, you're, you're very rarely wrong. Very rarely are you wrong. 
Uh, but you're wrong about baseball, and you're wrong about my website. So I, I want to stand. I want to. I want in front of the whole world. I want to correct you tonight. You can't oh book my. a lesson on my website. Yeah, here we go. You can't book a lesson on my website. The only way you can book a lesson is by emailing me or texting me. So to text me, two three nine four zero four seven seven nine zero, and these numbers are all on my website. Um, and then email me at tpatriotmindspring.com. The website is very simply tompatry.com. And then I'm also on all the social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, uh, and Instagram. Um, so they, there's a whole different variety of ways you can find me. And through all those networks, you can, it leads back to the website, and you can get all my information right there. Uh, we are rocking and rolling here in Naples, Florida. The place is already alive and kicking. Um, and there's a ton of people in town earlier than ever. Uh, so it's going to be a busy golf season, and I'm really excited to be back here and uh, be at the Esplanade. And the more excited, Chris, every time I get on with you, uh, John, you said it beautifully. You do an unbelievable job with this podcast, and people who don't don't tune into your podcast are really missing out on a great venue in golf. But uh, more people not even know who Chris Mascaro is. It's unbelievable. I, I, I love being on with you. <laughs> I appreciate that very much, DP. You're the best, my friend. I can't thank you enough for uh, being generous with your time again tonight and continuing to come back because uh, you're uh, you're just a delight every single time. You're wrong about your Yankees, and that's and that's an unfortunate thing. I blame your parents. It's really not your fault. I blame your parents for that, and uh, now, so I give you a my pass. Father, my father was a Brooklyn Dodger guy, so you can't blame him. He would that means he would have been a Met fan, and God bless anybody who's a Met fan. So we won't even go into that. But I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put an invitation out to you right now. For the last, how many years have I been on with you now? How many years has it been? I think it's been four years now. Okay, so here's the deal. People who listen to you and I with all this nonsense every time we're on together will, will testify that I've invited you to Naples, Florida 455,000 times and you're yet to show up. Okay? <laughs> so here's the deal. Here's the deal. The Red Sox spring train in Fort Myers, 20 minutes from my home. I am standing in my kitchen right now in my home, and 20 minutes away from here is JetBlue Park with the Red Sox spring train. I'm going to invite you down one last time. Spring training, pick a game. I'll get the tickets. We'll play some golf in the morning, go to a game in the afternoon, and I will sit with you. I will sit with you in a Red Sox spring training game and listen to your nonsense about the 220 season and have you rant and rave, and then I'll take you to dinner afterwards. With the dinner topper. Wow. Can we offer any more than that? Is there anything else I can have to do to get you to come down here and play some golf? Will you wear a Red Sox jersey and a hat? I will, I will not wear a Red Sox jersey and a hat. There's no damn way that's happening. <laughs> There's no way that's happening. TP. I will definitely be there. We're going to make that happen. Some way, somehow, we're going to make that happen. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. Tom, I can't thank you enough, my friend. Take care. All the best to you and your family. We'll catch up soon. God bless you, pal. Thanks for having me on. See you, Tom. That's a great Tom Patry. P-A-T-R-I. TomPatry.com is the website. And you can follow them all over social media as well. There just isn't uh, anybody better than Tom. I, I I love every single minute that we get to spend together. And uh, he's been doing the show for a number of years now. And and for the last few, right, every other week he comes on and joins and shares his his insights and his playing lessons. And both both of those things are outstanding. And as great a teacher as he is, he's a ten times better human being. So 
make sure you follow him and check out his website as well. All right, folks, time for me to put a bow on this episode of Next on the T. My sincere thanks to Todd Beach, John Hughes, and the great Tom Patrick for joining me tonight. Please check out our website online, nextonthetea.net. On there, you'll be able to stay up to date with what our guest schedule looks like. You'll Plus, you'll be able to stream or download any of our archive episodes because we link back to our page over on Podbean, and we can't thank those guys enough for featuring us regularly on their app. So check out their app. A lot of great, if you like podcasts just in general across all genres, Podbean's fantastic. So podbean.com and you'll find us on there as well. Plus, we're also on other great sites, launchpaddm.com, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Audioboom, Player.fm. We're all over the net. Please give me your thoughts as well. Check out our page on Facebook, Next on the T with Chris Mascaro. So if you've got a, some feedback for me, you've got a question you want me to ask for one, you know, someone that's been on the show or someone that we've got lined up to come on, please let me know. I'll be glad to get that uh, question answered for you. Folks, I can't thank you enough for continuing to choose to make this show a part of your golfing content. We really appreciate you. Until next week, hit them straight, my friends.